0: Welcome to our show. We're we're back. We're doing an episode of Connect this, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, we've got Kim McKinley. Welcome.
1: Hello, hello. I am here to tell you all the rumors are not true. Um, Ruthie Bader okay, Ruthie Bader Catsburg is not getting a sister Sandra Day O'Cat um, today. Uh, after Sandra Day O'Cat. Sandra Day O'Cat. <laughs> Or we're going to go with Henry Katzinger, but uh, I like Sandra Deo Cat, but no,
0: that is not happening. Um, Thank, you. And Thank you. It's a hard day I in your household. Do not- that- you have anyone else that you've killed off? <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope, but I've got fresh Botox and I'm ready for Connect This. Now let's go in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Doug Dawson, CCG Consulting, welcome back. Oh, welcome
2: to you. You know, the intro music, I always hear music in my head. I've got that syndrome where I 24 hours a day I hear music. I'm hearing that song all the time. You know, it's, it's, I love it, but it's killing me. Just so all you All know.
0: right. We got to update it to some piece of like live jam music and that Something. will, uh, that'll yeah. help you out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we got Travis Carter, USI Fiber. Welcome back, Trav. Well, hello, my friend.
3: Uh, should I be the one that brings the obvious up? That's a pretty fancy headset there, Doug. Is that new? Uh no, that's the regular headset. <laughs>
2: no, that's the old regular one.
0: It is. He it looks different. It looks like yet. it's it
3: looks like it's way out. So, I, um, well, I, it, does, I
0: it does sound good right now, but Doug will be rocking a new microphone soon. Yes. I love it. All right. I, I, well, be I, a, I will correct. be
2: on a pro microphone soon. Yes.
0: All right. So, uh, so 6 months ago or so, I saw Lumen or CenturyLink or someone with that history of the company in my alleyway and i've been waiting and waiting and waiting last tuesday i got fiber installed i've got gigabit fiber gigabit symmetrical here at the house uh it's working pretty well uh but i have four or five trips over three weeks so this is my life is that like i spend time at home i finally get the fiber installed and then i move back into living in airports so super (laughs) but it's been good so far
3: Congratulations, Travis. You
0: you felt like before I was having some issues with my connectivity. So let me know how this is going. You, you look amazing, Mister. You
2: actually look and sound good today. I think there's a difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe yeah. it's just uh, sleeping on uh, the red eye from San Francisco. Oh, I didn't say you look good. I just said you look actually, actually <laughs> amazing. So yeah. Well done, yeah. Mister. We are going to spend a a lot of time today talking about wireless and 5G and what's happening in the mobile wireless space with Mike Dano from Light Reading. So we're excited about that. Uh, Before we do that, we've got a couple of topics we wanted to touch on. One is a continuation of digital discrimination. And I just wanted to share that on communitynets.org, our colleague here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, Emma, she wrote, I think, a really great article, which is uh, covering what the FCC is doing on digital discrimination and makes the provocative claim to some, perhaps, that we can regulate the heck out of ISPs and it probably won't get us all that much closer to uh, the world we want to live in with everyone having high quality access. So, uh, you know, I I feel like there's this thing in which I don't want to discourage my colleagues in the public interest community, um, you know, from pursuing this approach. But I think that many of us have some deep concerns that um, that I don't think that trying to force AT&T to make more investments in certain areas is necessarily going to get us where we need to go. Any thoughts on that? We've talked about this in depth previously. Anything new that anyone wants to share? Go ahead, Kim.
1: No, I don't think there's anything new, but I had an employee who is really not in the telecom scene actually ask about this. So it was interesting that this is diving down into... Uh, more consumer-based uh, discussions than I've ever seen anything else in broadband. So I'm wondering why um, that's the case. Like, it's, it's just I, an interesting well, point.
2: I have that answer. The big ISPs are screaming so loudly that it filtered out a little bit everywhere. I mean, they are oh. I mean, they went completely nuts about this. So, I mean, that's,
0: <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious. It is you... very,
2: it's very interesting that it leaked out because the average person on the street doesn't have the slightest idea what
0: we're talking about. So, you know. Well, and I, and I think depending on who you read, some of the press, I think, has had good nuance and some of it hasn't. But I yeah. there's a part of me that always wonders if part of this, Doug, is there's internal pressures that we often ignore. And so if you are working for one of the big companies as a lawyer, you need to have something in which you're telling your bosses, you need to put yes. money into this department so we can save you from certain financial ruin. Right. And so I always yes. wonder if that's a part of it.
2: Well, If you're a regulatory lawyer for a big ISP, you cannot go wrong going, they're trying to regulate us. That is always a winner, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so they they always scream that at the top of their lungs. So it's a a good way to keep your job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Travis, I think Uh, if you read that article, it might address a few of the questions that you had brought up before, I think, about your concerns about... um, Uh, Likely paths and whether you are likely going to be facing any need to defend yourself against uh, perhaps uh, misguided efforts to uh, bring you in front of the judge somewhere.
3: Well, we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when it happens. And and you you did uh, you did stutter, Mr. Mitchell, your your videos, just so you know.
0: Well, I appreciate you letting me know. Um, are, you, are you a I, window, are you a Windows user by chance? Oh, you know that I'm a Microsoft guy. I, I, oh, know, oh, I have to choose oh. between the uh, the totalitarianism of Apple, uh, you know, the, oh, okay. the Mussolini of tech versus uh, the open and nasty world of Windows. I'm going to well, take the open society anytime,
3: sir. If you could turn off your 77 virus scanners and reboot every 15 minutes, it might help. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, the, there, goes,
2: there goes today's showdown.
0: <laughs> I do I do want to talk about uh, something that uh, I haven't had a chance to track yet. I've been working uh, with uh, tribes all week. It's been uh, wonderful. We just did our 10th tribal broadband boot camp. Uh, it was wonderful working with folks that are building wireless and fiber optic networks and trying to figure out how they can do workforce development and all that sort of stuff. We had a, a great time out there uh, uh, by, in Clear Lake with Tol. Uh, Habem- 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 oh boy this is so frustrating every now and then i could get it and every now and then i couldn't um Habematol, uh, uh, Pomo of Upper Lake, uh, as well as several other uh, tribes. And, Could you, uh, spell, the, that? Could yes, you spell, spell that? No, Could <laughs> you spell that? I can spell It's too much easier than I can say it. Um, and, uh, and also some of the great folks from Hoopa Valley and Mohawk Networks. Um, it's really, it's wonderful. There's a lot of uh, tribes out there that have been doing this for some time now and pulling their people together who have a lot of experience and having them share that has been, uh, it's been terrific. So that's where my mind's been lately. Uh, but uh, while I've been gone, Kim has been tracking, along with other people, apparently a new dark money campaign against municipal broadband networks. Uh, so, Kim, what is happening there?
1: I am just really starting to believe nobody wants me to have any kind of weekend um, because I started seeing some ads that came into the Utah market Uh, that were basically saying that you don't let your city run whatever. It was a really terrible video of about 30 seconds, and it looked like a 10-year-old did it. But we're seeing it on TV ads. We're seeing it on radio ads. um, We're seeing it on pre-rolls in the Utah market, um, basically saying government shouldn't be in this space. Um, If you want to really go see this lovely website, it's nogovinternet.com. That also looks like it was created in 10 days. But Utah is not the only market we are seeing these play out in. Um, I am a board member for AAPB, the American Association for Public Broadband. And we are seeing. Did I just go out?
0: No, you're going. You're fine. You're OK,
1: fine. Uh, it looks like I just blacked out. Um, we are seeing these in um, other markets around the country in New England. Um, in, uh I know that there's been some ads in Traverse City and uh, some other places around the country um, that these anti-government ads are coming out. Uh, I can not only say on my personal opinion. Um, It looks like it's dark money. And there is a specific ISP that a lot of employees have been looking at my LinkedIn um, from. So it is very interesting that both me and Roger, my boss, have had a specific um, uh, entity who's been uh, trolling our uh, LinkedIn. So. It's going well, to be interesting to watch this.
0: Ezra asked if there's a, a place where dark money campaigns are identified and there's not in part because of a uh, fear of just giving them more legs and, and further helping them spread the message. Uh, Phil Dampier used to run a website called stop the cap in which he was very focused on identifying these sorts of things and where the money came from. And, uh, he, I believe had some, had some health issues and I don't know if he's moved on. He's someone who had been around since the nineties and worked on the campaigns to make sure the cable companies couldn't squash the um, the uh, satellite companies when they were going around early. And so um, it would be great to have him back and doing that. But I'm afraid that uh, we don't really have anyone like that right now in this space exposing that.
2: And they're not easy to uncover. It takes a lot of work to find out who's behind them. They've been very good. at I mean, they're like, you know, seven layer deep LLCs and you know they're they're just very difficult to identify. They've been around since I've been in the industry, so yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's interesting that they're popping up now, and it, I, that's more of the question of why now. What are they trying to accomplish, and what what are they trying to accomplish in these markets? So, I I'm actually really curious um, of what we're going to see, but I think it's only going to ramp be ramping up uh, for communities around the country. And I will say this from the deepest parts of my heart. If you are from a community, do not think that this might not happen to you um, as well. Uh, who are Yeah, going to go into community broadband.
0: There was a there was a, a campaign in Longmont, I think it was um, look before you leap. And it was like the theme of it was like people that were jumping into a swimming pool that had no water. And uh, they were trying to convince the, the voters of Longmont not to support the municipal broadband campaign. Uh, that the, I mean, just for, as we go back to like 2009, the first vote in Longmont, Comcast actually swung that campaign. Uh, In part by paying uh, people to dress up like firefighters and had hold signs that suggested if you voted for the fiber network, you would be defunding the fire department. That did work. And then two years later, though, word had spread and people had a better sense of what they were voting on. And there were still people who voted against it in significant numbers. But it went from being 60-40 against to like 60-44 And that look before. I think I still have the videos somewhere of those ads. (laughs) Ridiculous. The thing I just get a kick out of is like I don't like whoever's coming up with these ads. Um, you know, I think you should do a little market testing because I think uh, there's a lot of people who would support more government involvement than I would, and I think and Kim would. <laughs> and like coming yeah. at these people and being like, "You want government to be involved in internet?" and they're like, "Heck yes, I do!" Like you're charging me so much money, um, and so I just you know it's a poorly conceived campaign, I think. Um, so,
2: well, and Kim's asking a great question: Why are they doing it right now in Utah? What's new in Utah, Kim? Really, nothing new, right?
1: No, no. Kim, you just I finished think, off
2: another city, though.
1: Uh, we finished off three this year. I don't know, and two of the press releases still haven't gone out. But we finished off um, Cedar Hill, Santa Clara, not yes, yeah, Santa Clara, and um, Syracuse, um, three cities uh, down. And it looks like Bountiful City, who we had all that hoopla right like over the summer, we will be releasing. It will be releasing their first area for service um, in the next couple of weeks as well so we are moving fast um you do see some other entities doing municipal broadband here so um or looking into it so maybe that's the reason but it's specifically at utopia and it's going to be interesting to see what are they trying to accomplish are they trying to accomplish because for a lot of people utopia has been one of the like it's one of the two biggest uh systems in the nation of uh, municipal wise actually behind epb so maybe they're just trying to like put like to deflate the momentum but when you have a 4.6 star rating of over two thousand customers on google you you, that takes a lot to overcome with that kind of messaging
2: yeah well they're not talking to your customers they're talking to somebody else whoever that is i don't know
0: yeah yeah the the other thing is that uh, as we're wrapping up this conversation to move on into the wireless in a minute um I remember calling back, I was invited to Miami many years ago to speak at Metro Connect, which is, uh, they always call it a C-level conference, uh, uh, people that run a lot of uh, the, the telecommunications companies around the world. And they invited me to be a, like a sacrificial lamb. They put me on a panel with a bunch of uh, these private networks and yeah. we had a breakfast beforehand and they um, kind of were grilling me about municipal broadband. And I realized that most of them don't actually have any idea what it is. <laughs> like, and so there's a part of this in which like, you know, we're trying to figure out why are they doing this in a rational world, but they're not in a rational world. Like, and I, when I was talking with these people, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Like, you don't really believe that you, you know that you guys are lying, right? Chattanooga is a success. Like there are lots of successes. There's a few failures, but most of them are successes. And I was like, you, you know that you can't trust the stuff that you, the company, the, the 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 what's it called the think tanks that you are paying to put out like that's all garbage right and they were like no no it's accurate and I was just like you can't eat your own garbage like it's terrible but I mean I think that one of the things is there's probably a bunch of people who think bead is going to go to a bunch of cities to build duplicative networks and uh, a I, I just say that because that's what they think. And and I would just say that there is no money going to duplicative networks from what I can tell. And B, um, what cities are doing is very very rarely duplicative. So, uh, but they are coming from that perspective, and they might you know think that they are responding to something that is uh, not about to happen.
2: But why would advertising this in Traverse City, Michigan have anything to do with me? I mean, it just that doesn't make sense. With yeah, do. that ship has sailed. But but, I, but I'm glad to see them spend their money. I mean, you know, drain it away. It's fine with me. So. <laughs> I not, mean, don't not build changing networks. Any, they're not changing anybody's <laughs> mind, so yes don't build uh, so, networks
1: let's let's spend it on ads. I mean that doesn't make any sense at all right like it doesn't, right. but
2: but these have been every two to three years every forever so I mean they just you forget about them and then one pops up again, so yep.
0: yeah. So we are going to jump into our special featured guest today. Uh, we have Mike Dano, who is editorial director, uh, focused on five G and mobile strategies with Light Reading. is a wonderful read. Uh, puts out a lot of a lot of well written stuff uh, in a uh, in a publication that is not prone to hyperbole. Uh, so um, you know, somewhere uh, you can read different folks for different reasons, but uh, Mike is a good one to get a sense of what's actually happening. Out Out there. So, welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, well, thanks for having me very much. And I actually wanted to uh, do a shout out to
4: Doug Dawson because Doug, I am a religious reader of your blog. Every day I log on to it; it's great stuff. So, if yeah, if we're if we're trading uh, compliments, I wanna I wanna send one out your way. And I only do it in part to receive a, a, a gent- gentler treatment from you all. <laughs>
2: well, just so you know, I read everything you write as well. Oh, well you thank you very
0: much. So, yes, so. so, Mike, we wanted to start by asking you uh, kind of about, like, what's been happening. And so if, if I set the stage on that, um, you know, it's, I would say 2017, 2018, uh, started to hear, you know, these ideas percolating around government that 5G was going to change everything. We need to, to significantly change the regulations regulatory structure. We need to make sure that there was enough spectrum for these big companies, because 5G was gonna change everything. And uh, there was people like Blair Levin, who I am very fond of, who I think were out there saying, no, uh, this is not going to change very much at all. And there was other people who I think were pointing out that uh, 5G could, in fact, be very impactful, but it would not be in the short term. It would be in a longer term. Um, And so what I would like to ask you is, uh, what are some of the things and we can go into a lot of different things about this, um, but what are some of the things that We would, uh, we have seen in the past five years, uh, that are kind of newer and fresher.
4: Sure. No, I, and right, didn't uh, 5G change the world and usher in the fourth industrial revolution and uh, c- cure cancer and wash the dishes? I-, I thought that that had already happened now. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah. coming
0: to you from a uh, mobile uh, vehicle, which is remotely piloted, and surgeons from uh, somewhere in Australia are operating on me as we speak.
4: Yeah, very cool. Yeah.
1: With a lemon drop, with a lemon drop of <laughs> like martini too, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. exactly.
4: Yeah, once uh, 5G gets me some mixed drinks, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be happy about it. But uh, no, you're, you're right. There was tons of hype uh, and broadly it it did not live up to it. And I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons around that, plenty of stuff to say about it. But I mean, I have a couple of big takeaways, you know, now roughly five years in is that the the level of hype at the beginning was way too high um, and early 5G networks were pretty much garbage. Um, But, uh, you know, just like all wireless technology, it's gotten better. Um, and even just this year, we've actually seen some pretty fairly impressive improvements in nationwide 5g coverage and performance. Um, and I expect that to continue through, you know, this year, next year, the years to come, it's, it's just going to get better from here on out. So there was nothing, uh, revolutionary that happened, but certainly evolutionarily it's, it's, it's better now. And I think, and so you asked like, what's new now, what's kind of the new thing that we've seen. Um, I think the one that I would definitely point to is fixed wireless. Like, I, I think um, uh, you can kind of argue the long-term viability of fixed wireless, but I think that uh, it, it, you really do have to acknowledge the, the massive impact that fixed wireless has had on the U.S. market for the past couple of years. I mean, fixed wireless has always been out there, but certainly 5G fixed wireless um running over 5G specifically, uh, has had a major impact on the market this year. And so, so we're that,
0: not talking about like two guys in a truck using unlicensed, I think you're talking about like T-Mobile, Verizon Home Services, is that right?
4: Correct, yeah, it's the, it's the fixed wireless running on the mobile network, but being broadcast in a fixed uh, scenario. And uh, I mean, we've seen all the numbers from the past year, it's you know b- basically 90 to 100% of all new customers are fixed wireless, generally.
2: Have you gotten any feel for where those customers
4: are coming from? I keep trying to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's, so my understanding of fixed wireless is it's really a neighborhood by neighborhood story. So some neighborhoods have none. Some neighborhoods have lots of fixed wireless customers. It's all based on where the capacity is in the network. And so, um, you know, the way that I think about it is, you know, so if you have a cell tower, it's pointed at the freeway, that side of the cell tower is completely devoted to mobile. It's mostly serving the people on the freeway. It's making sure that everybody can stream TV in their cars while they hurtle down the freeway at 60 miles an hour. But the other side of that cell tower facing the other direction might be devoted to fixed wireless. And so when you think about it that way, it's, it's really just you know where people are, which cell towers have the extra capacity and where those houses are in relation to the cell tower.
0: And now, one of the things that I think is interesting is we're sitting here in 2023. And you're saying this is sort of the year of fixed wireless. One of the things that I got from your writings and, and others, I think more on light reading than other places, is that the manufacturers of the gear that does this, they were expecting massive orders f- three, four years ago. And I realized that there was a pandemic, but I don't think that the pandemic disrupted this as much as some other things. Like I feel like We saw the same thing, which was a bunch of those vendors, I think, geared up to have a massive, you know, have those the three or four top carriers doing big investments in this and then didn't see it. Is that what happened? I mean, yes and no. Uh,
4: So I think it depends on whether you thought that it was going to be the world's biggest, you know, uh, payout in terms of buying equipment. Um, I don't think it was that, but, you know, it, it is fair to say that all of the 5G carriers spent huge amounts of money over the past couple of years, but mostly that's on spectrum. They they bought a bunch of spectrum so that they wouldn't fall behind. You know, the, the amount of spectrum that a carrier owns is directly related to how fast their service is and how many customers they can support and what kind of services they can offer. So spectrum is critical. Um, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of overall spending on the network equipment, um, I think that uh, they did spend heavily initially, um, but certainly this year we're seeing company, you know, the big suppliers like Ericsson and Nokia are have said, especially starting this summer, that demand has cratered um, and they are just not selling the equipment that they expected to, even even knowing that the spending would start to slow down this year. There was sort of hints about it. But I think the the spending slowdown was far more dramatic than anyone expected. And I think that's directly related to the fact that they're just not making as much money as they had hoped, you know, about 5G. It's just not paying off in the way that they had expected. That's not to say they're not making money from it. That's not to say that no one is using it. And that's not to say that it's, you know, it's not enabling new features somewhat. Um, but in terms of the, you know, the 5G bonanza has not happened.
0: Well, this is where, and I want to see if Travis and Kim have any questions, but my observation I'll make is that this is why I thought Blair Levin was so prescient previously, which was, there's different ways of looking at this in terms of figure out, make a prediction for the future. But from his point of view, he was always asking, where is the additional revenue going to come from? Which, what part of the United States has people that want to spend a lot more? on mobile wireless or on the fixed wireless. And I think the uh, the sense was that people, most people would not want to switch to a mobile, uh, sorry, to a fixed wireless package in their homes um, and that no one wants to pay more per month for their mobile subscriptions. And so that there was always too much hype relative to the expectations of revenue.
2: Yeah, and, well, I think and, and we've seen that in other places. Korea did exactly the same thing and nobody bought it. I mean, they they had a complete crater. They thought it was going to just take over the country and and no one would pay extra. So. Right. Yeah.
4: yeah. And Verizon tried it. I mean, their first 5G offer was $10 extra. And they quickly realized that no one was going to uh-huh. stomach yeah. that. Um, but what we've seen actually in the past year, which has, I think, been pretty interesting, is so the carriers realized they couldn't charge extra for 5G. And so instead, what they're doing is literally just raising prices on all their services. And so all of the carriers have done that to some degree. Verizon has does it, done it very aggressively and openly. They've just raised prices you know, on, on existing or legacy service plans. T-Mobile did it a little bit differently. They raised prices on some of the activation fees and other kinds of stuff like that. But by and large, all of the carriers raised prices on prices and fees in some way. And as a result, their, their uh, free cash flows are increasing now because they've raised prices. So uh, I guess my point is that they didn't sell anything extra that people wanted to pay for necessarily unless you count fixed wireless. But what they did do is just raise prices and no one freaked out. They, everyone said, okay, we'll pay a little bit extra because we really want this service. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that's uh, you know, exactly what they had initially hoped for, but they did get more money from it. It just uh, didn't offer anything necessarily new to do so.
0: Uh, Travis or Kim, any uh, questions before I roll into another one?
4: I want I,
3: to ask Kim. Do you see in your market that the little the little cell phone in a box guys are making any kind of impact on your fiber network?
1: Mm-mm.
3: No. And remember, we learned on our last episode. If you do have that little home, you know, wireless thing, turn your turn your ceiling fan off so your web call works. <laughs> Remember we. We remember still we,
1: need that guest on yeah, the yeah, show.
3: Yeah, yeah, What
1: kind of ceiling fan does that man have that he oh. cuts off his internet connection? Mike, my
3: buddy has it. So whenever <laughs> whenever you're on a Facetime call, he has to turn it off, otherwise we can't talk because the fan is, is is using all the bandwidth. So yeah. that's that, <laughs> that, that, that's the backstory there. So, but this gets
0: um, back okay. to I think Doug's question of sort of like where are the fixed wireless additions coming from. Because I think there's, we're not seeing enough erosion from the big cable companies that is necessarily coming from them. Some of it, I think, sorry, just to finish off. I got to think some of it is that the fixed wireless is hitting areas in more rural areas where they don't have as high quality of service. So there's some of that, I'm guessing.
2: Well, A lot of it is in the rural because I've been looking at very detailed. I've been buying very detailed county by county data. And so then I can really see who's doing what. And there's a lot of fixed wireless popping up in the rural areas. And those folks have nothing. So, you know, th- so this is it, it. And it probably when you, makes when you, when you, when But you can you get a whole, fly,
0: fixed wireless from T-Mobile and Verizon wireless. and AT&T. And so all of
2: a sudden they're delivering, if you live within one or two miles of the cell tower, you're getting between one and 300 megabits. After that, at the speeds just die. And so there's a lot of rural cells here. But cable companies collectively only added 8000 customers last quarter they're feeling something from this you know yeah. so they're losing customers the trouble is they're not saying neither of these two parties is saying where they're getting the customers from yeah
4: yeah it's
2: when, really... when i look at the, when i look at the speed test i'm not seeing nearly as many urban ones
4: yeah so. i mean if you're in an urban area you probably have fiber right i i right. I have fiber. I have, it's $50 a month. I have no interest in fixed wireless. I don't see the reason to do that. So, but yeah, if you're in a rural area or I think the other thing is uh, if you don't like your current carrier and I think that, I mean, I specifically moved off my cable company because they randomly added TV to my bill and I thought that was pretty crappy. So, you know, I, I looked for an opportunity to cancel that service. And I think that that's probably true of a certain percentage. I think there's lots of reasons why they're picking up customers? Whether it's you know people don't like their current provider, people are in rural areas and don't have another option. Maybe you have satellite and that's terrible, and you want to get now you have fixed wireless. You you know I think there's a lot of reasons, and it's and it's a different reason for each location, and there's lots of different locations. Um, so I, I think it's really that's why I say it's a neighborhood by neighborhood thing. I think it's really a matter of like what is it happening in that neighborhood. It could be a lot of different factors, but you know if you look across the country. They're getting, you know, five or ten percent. Eventually, I think in the next year or two, they'll probably have between five and ten percent of the uh, broadband market on is on five G fixed wireless.
0: Now, when you said earlier that uh, I think one of the things that took away from your opening comments was that the experience of five G is improving, I don't know that I've seen that entirely myself whether it's in sports stadiums, where I feel like there's times where I've had good experiences and times where I've had bad. And I think that's more about good Wi-Fi often than, uh, than the 5G necessarily. Uh, I think we still get lots of reports of people where they're getting a faster speed test on 4G than 5G. Uh, but what what are you actually seeing as opposed to the anecdotes that I collect?
4: Yeah. I, and, it, and again, that is it's a neighborhood by neighborhood story. But um, I think if you look at the sort of the broad scope, if you look over the last five or 10 years, um, I think you will see a, a pretty impressive amount of improvement over 4G, 5G in general. Um, and I think the, you know, the real uh, what I, after having covered the five, the early days of 5G for several years, what I came away with was that it was mostly vaporware up until about the beginning of 2022 of last year, and especially this year. Um, and the reason is, is because uh, they they tried to do millimeter wave first. So 5G over millimeter wave spectrum only works in tiny little areas inside of stadiums or in downtown areas, and it does not cover cities. And so for the first couple of years of 5G, there was basically less than 1% of the US population could even access it. Uh, and so that was the first version of 5G. The second version of 5G was over the low band spectrum, which is the same spectrum they use for 4G. And the the percent improvement between 4G on low band spectrum and 5G on low band spectrum is like 10 to 15% improvement, right? Which is nothing like you barely even notice that. So the second, that was the second phase of 5G. First phase was millimeter wave. Second phase was low band. Neither one of them made any impact. And only really last year and especially this year, you're starting to see 5G on the mid band spectrum. And that is the kind of spectrum that really shows a dramatic improvement in speeds and performance. And that's the one where I have done just on my own personal phone, I've done tests and like, I'll get 150 megabytes a second on a mid band 5g signal, which is faster than my home internet, which is, I mean, if you had told me that at the beginning of 4g, Hey, in 10 years, your phone is going to be faster. Your phone connection is going to be faster than your home internet connection. And I would have said, that's ridiculous. Like uh, th- th- there's no way that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And here we are 10 years later and I'm, I'm routinely now getting speeds that are double or even triple the speeds of my home internet connection, which by the way is only 100 megabits a second. I see no reason to upgrade it. Everything works fine on 100 megabits. But to get that much more on my phone is just sort of impressive. But that's specifically due to the mid-band uh, spectrum that the, has only be, recently become available.
2: And I have to counter that a little bit, because mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of WISP guys, and they watch wireless more than anybody I know. I mean, that's all they do all day, right? And they're all saying just in the last year that the stuff that are, is being called 5G, yes, it got way faster a year ago, and now it's starting to lag already. And, and, I, and I think that there's a good reason for that in that... Um, Quite honestly, they've been too successful. Part of it is that they're using that spectrum for the fixed wireless guys, so they're draining their own capacity. And 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 every year, total wireless usage on cell phones climbs 20%. I mean, that, their big problem is they can't keep up with growth on the wireless networks. Mm-hmm. Look out three or four years, and they're in trouble again, except that they're going to put out C-band now for another fix. But it's tough to be a wireless engineer, because every couple of years, demand catches up to capacity. Exactly. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a rough world. And if you so. really
4: if you think about the the problem that they're in, of which I think fixed wireless really highlights. So so let's say you're selling so let's say you have a really fast 5G network and you sell so you have and you sell smartphones, right? You have mobile services and people pay maybe sixty dollars a month for that, right? Typically they consume 10 gigabytes or 20 gigabytes a month uh, on that smartphone and you get $60 from it per month, that's a pretty good deal. You'd, you'd really want more of those. But the problem is now everybody has a phone and they're not gonna pay any more. So you're not gonna get any more money from that service. Well, now you offer fixed wireless, right? But the problem with fixed wireless is that the usage is 500 gigabytes a month, right? And how much are you getting per month? Well, you're getting even less. You're only selling it for 30 or $40 a month. So the usage of fixed wireless on the mobile network is 10 times that of a mobile smartphone, right? But the revenues are actually less than what you would get from a smartphone yeah. customer. So the, the economics are basically awful for fixed wireless in general compared with smartphones, but it's basically the only thing they have. There's how else are they going to make mm-hmm. extra additional money and gain extra additional customers? There is nothing yet out there. So I, I am. So so that right. They're going to all go bankrupt. That's what that means. So I'm, I don't necessarily believe that. I think that in the future you'll have glasses that connect to 5g, you'll have all sorts of stuff. I I do think that that will happen, but it's going to be a while.
0: No, I'm, I'm curious about uh, something that is more, has less to do with 5G and it's more, you mentioned that they all just raise prices. Uh, you know, I have been on Ting forever. I feel like, you know, Ryan Reynolds is trying to undermine the the big carriers as much as possible, although T-Mobile is now buying that out, I guess, uh, potentially. Uh, but I, I'm just curious as a mobile strategist, like... What exactly is going on that we still have most people wanting to pay so much when like, I mean, I travel a lot and I'm putting more and more data across this, but I'm still paying like my wife and I combined. Our plan is like sometimes $60. Usually it's like 40 something on, on the, on Ting or on a, on a mint or something like that. So why do we see such little uptake of those deals when it's it's affordable and it seems to be the same network?
4: Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is the same network. It's, that's a good question. I'm not entirely (laughs) sure. I mean, I think, you know, I'll, I'll speak personally is that so sometimes those prepaid plans don't have international roaming options or the international roaming options are very expensive or they don't offer a hotspot. And I use hotspot a lot. So, or the family plans are not great. And you've got a bunch of kids who are using tons of data. So, there's, there are, I, I would argue, extenuating factors that are pushing some of us into the sort of standard $60 a month unlimited plans. Um, and away from the lower cost plans that don't offer some, like, I also have, uh, two lines. I have my business phone line coming into my phone and my personal phone line. Uh, and I, I, I pay for that and I, and, in some cases those types of services are not offered by the ryan ryan reynolds of the of the world uh and and so in some cases it's pushing people to the more expensive plans those extra bills and whistles maybe you have a watch that you want to connect for example
0: mm-hmm. now i just want to so the question we got in the audience there about the uh the, so those uh the tings the mints and, and etc cricket i guess are mvnos multi mobile virtual network operators and uh, i've always wondered this um i've had fantastic reliability for the most part um uh, except for where the network is signaled just seems to be low I've never felt like I was deprioritized on a, on a big cell uh, on, a, on a congested cell so do you have any sense are the mVnos a lower priority if there is congestion D-
4: they definitely are yeah I mean Verizon ATT, t they're reserving their the the premium connections for their premium customers um and you're right you're not you're probably not seeing that And uh, you might not even know it if you are seeing it, right? Like, how would you know if you are deprioritized unless you're literally standing next to a premium Verizon customer and you're on Charter, uh, Spectrum, Mobile? It's really hard to find out if you're being being deprioritized, for example. So, you know, if it works for you, great. But, uh, you know, if you find that it's the connection is slow and you're not real happy, then, you know, it it could be the case that you're being deprioritized. And the other thing is, you know, Doug, like you mentioned, you know there's more traffic on the networks. Presumably, that concept of deprioritization will become more important as you know in the future as more traffic goes onto the network, including from fixed wireless.
2: Well, interestingly, when I look at the speed tests, I will find a
4: home who has
2: getting 300 megabits from T-Mobile. So it's like that's a great connection. And then, and and I look at a full 12 months, and I'll find three or four times a year where they're getting four. I go, they just got deprioritized. And they're going, well, what's wrong with my internet? And 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 you don't see that with the other technologies where it drops so low and then comes back because they'll take five speed tests the same day. It's like they just got nailed.
4: <laughs> yeah, the reliability is weird. And the other thing is yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily worried about a speed test at home um, or at a friend's house who also has Wi-Fi. Like sometimes when I need it, it's like. I'm at a convention and I have a story that I need to file and there is no other connection and I need to do it right now. And so in that case, you know, that's a, there's a lot of traffic at that location anyway, but I'm, I want, I want to pay for the better service because in that situation, I really want to have it right. Like I, I don't want to be deprioritized. I want the premium service that is going to work for me in that super busy convention center so but you would uh, care a lot if you were buying the fixed wireless of your house yes yes fixed yeah, wireless I mean, is a much different s- scenario well and,
0: yeah. and i'll just note that i you know i have said two conflicting things and one is that um i feel like i hadn't been deprioritized and the other is i have a bad experience in sports stadiums so uh <laughs> well, it's hard to know <laughs> Now, what would be great is they just not to, not to
2: mention, Chris, that you're on the deprioritize this guy list. Just so you know, so.
4: <laughs> right? Uh, I've written enough about Verizon that I'm sure I'm being deprioritized at right. right from from uh, not not that I subscribe to them, but uh, yeah, if they could, they would. But uh, I mean, the 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 uh, wouldn't it be great if you know you had a bad connection at that sports stadium and it just said, hey, you know, improve your connection for one dollar, right. right? Like I would like that. I don't know why they don't offer it.
0: Sure. Uh, so I'm curious, something that Doug has said before, uh, which uh, is something we hadn't gotten deeply into, but is a, is that the uh, we're not seeing a lot of new rural towers being built for better wireless as we're waiting for the mobility fund to be available and start uh, subsidizing those. And I was just curious to what extent we, we do see private investment that is not government subsidized in expanding rural cells like what is the role of the federal government in actually expanding um, rural towers and things like that and from your face facial expression I'm guess yeah. you may not have a great answer on that
4: yeah, I I don't know if I were waiting for a, if I were in a rural area waiting for a cell tower I don't think I'd hold my breath I think that that's uh that is a rough business model um, for a couple reasons I mean you know one is that very few carriers are investing in their networks, even in urban areas where they make a lot of money, right? So if they're not doing it there, why would they do it in a rural area where they make much, much less money? The other problem is that building a cell tower in a rural area is often more expensive than building it in a in an urban area, uh, according to what the carriers say. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, you make less money on it, costs more. I'm not sure why you would build it. The other thing is a lot of the carriers that are serving those areas you know, the the way that uh, there used to be a lot more wireless network operators in rural areas. And what has increasingly been happening is that those companies are either selling or it's gotten so bad that they're literally just shutting down their network because it costs too much to run. And they're 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 not even selling their towers or customers. They're just selling their spectrum, meaning that there's so little demand for that rural network that they can't even sell their customers, that they're just giving up and shutting everything down and just walking away because you can't make money in rural areas so i think that that 5g fund you know it might make a dent i hope it does i think that offering 5g in rural areas is probably one of the hardest telecom business models there is and here's the other thing too uh is that you you guys are probably aware of the whole uh uh, 5G from space thing that they're doing, which is, uh, it's called, uh, direct to device or supplemental coverage from space. Uh, SpaceX is doing it. Um, a couple other companies are, and basically it's, it's literally just connecting your fo- your cell phone to a satellite in a rural area where you don't have a cell tower or a signal. And so if you, so that technology does work, there are a number of companies that are going to offer it in the next few years. So if you had that opportunity, now the speeds are very slow. It's not like you're going to offer Netflix over that connection, but you'll probably be able to text, you might be able to make a phone call depending. So if you knew that that technology was coming to cover those rural areas, would you invest in a cell tower in a rural area now, or would you just wait a couple of years knowing that there's going to be a satellite to do that anyway?
0: Yeah, because I mean, this is one of those things that I feel like people don't always appreciate is that even if you only take 10 to 20% of the market, that's enough to kill the economics for someone... That might be providing a, a better service in the area that's terrestrially based. Right. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Math about-
2: is, I mean, there's broadband on a cell towers only two to three miles, and, and voice is about six. In any rural area, that's not very many people. Even if you got them all, it's not very many people. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So I'm curious about something that gets into questions we've had from uh, um, in the chat. And uh, I remember a conversation I had with Tim Nolte 10 years ago when he started building out the, um, or they're in the midst of building out EC fiber in Vermont. Uh, you know, anyone who knows anything about wireless in Vermont, nobody likes towers, everyone wants better wireless service, it's a big conundrum. Um, but uh, at that time, when they were running fiber up and down the roads you know tim expected a future in which they would be putting like femto or pico cells uh just up on top of the the poles that they had and that they would be offering some kind of mobile uh solution there um i i don't hear anyone doing that i don't know what the feasibility of it is 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 that uh something that is possible um what's going on there i mean yeah
4: the installing those networks is expensive so you you know, you, yeah, the the economics are hard, and you know, especially right now, uh, you've seen the stock prices of AT and T and Verizon just plummeting. Um, they're they're trying to cut expenses, cut jobs, cut spending on their networks in order to you know have a good story for Wall Street that they've got free cash flow. So really, there's just not a lot of uh, motivation to invest in you know, any kind of network that's not in a, like a sports stadium where you, you get that obvious benefit for a relatively low investment, you know, the covering, covering those rural areas is, it's just the, the economics were hard a couple of years ago. And I think it's, the economics are even harder today. Um, and I think it is, a, it really depends on where that is, but yeah, I mean, I'm a, uh, I'm here in Colorado and they they put in cell coverage, uh, up in Clear Creek Canyon. They did it from that. They, they routed fiber under the ground and, and every, uh, couple miles, they've got a, they've got a little tower, a little small, small tower and having coverage in that Canyon is awesome. Like it is great to have coverage there. And I'm so happy they did that. Um, but the expense is probably significant and I, yeah. you know, I doubt yeah. that they're going to do that everywhere.
0: I was just watching yeah. them build that in outside Rocky Mountain National <clears throat> Park three, four weeks ago, uh, where I saw the towers were up. They had sort of the, they were still like open a little bit, but they were like, you know, small cell, like right along the road. And they were like, you know, 20 feet off the ground at most, 15 feet off the ground. It was really cool. Kim?
1: So you're in a national park, Chris? No, I'm
0: on the road leading to a national park.
1: Oh, okay. Because I was like, that's not what I usually look at when I'm like in a beautiful area of Look at that beautiful cell tower over there. Isn't it magnificent? I was just...
0: uh, No, it was South of Angus Park, and they were, you know, I mean, they're not attractive, but it's like, you're on a road. It's like, uh, it's beautiful around you, but unless, like, I mean, like, the the view is already spoiled by the road, so throwing some towers alongside of it that are, like, 20 feet tall, it's not that, it's not a significant additional intrusion, I don't think. Travis?
3: Well, if you break down, you'll be happy that tower's there, so, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've spent the last 50 years as I drive looking up at Paul's. My wife yeah. hates me.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and look
1: how cool we are. And look how cool we um, are.
0: Yeah, I don't know how much, uh, but this is a very common thing. Take a picture of this. Take a picture of the quick care. <laughs> right. mm-hmm.
2: um, but, you know, to, to answer your question, those boxes on those little towers are not cheap. They They thought the price would come down and they'd be reasonable. They're still using... They're building a couple hundred thousand small cell sites a year, but they're going in very, very congested downtown stadiums, and an awful lot of them are going on top of business buildings, and they beam it down inside the business building. So they're they're not putting them on streets like that was the big promise. It's just not happening. So, yeah,
0: and I, I think Ezra was asking a question that is similar to what I was asking, which is a little bit a um, different, which is, um, you know, that. Um, would cities, if they were trying to do this, would there be a partnership? And my impression is the big companies just, they don't want to make little tiny partnerships like this. Yeah, like maybe they, it would be with a, a crown castle or someone like that, that might be there. But I just feel like it's one of those things where I feel like if we ignored the transaction cost, it would be great. But there's just enough like problems of making those arrangements that it doesn't happen. That's my impression. I've uh, looked at MDNO
2: business plans and you just can't make money out of a little guy. It's a, you yeah. do it. if You do it if you want to somehow increase your, your stickiness of customers, but you don't make a penny on them as a little guy. So,
0: uh, so then the other question I had, um, uh, let me see. Um, oh, a question about the overall. Um, I listen to The Verge with Neil Patel, and every now and then he just goes off about the the fiction that is Dish as the fourth network, and how <laughs> Dish is just like blatantly lying, and it's hilarious. Uh, and then I read some of the Wall Street analysts, and they treat it like it's a real thing, and that they're more or less meeting their obligations. And I was just curious if you can give us a better sense uh, for for people who aren't familiar. You know, the federal government allowed Sprint to be bought by T-Mobile in part because Dish was going to provide a fourth market option. And depending on who you um, ask, either they are on their way or it is never going to happen. And everyone should have been, that should have been obvious to everyone.
4: Oh boy. Dish network, Dish 5G, sit back and relax. Cause I could go on and on about Dish. It's uh, I, I, and here's my big takeaway is that, so I'm, I cover the industry, not, not to figure out or not to invest in the winners and, you know, take money away from the losers. I I am only in it for a good story, right? That that's what I like. I like a very interesting, compelling story. And dish is the most interesting and the most compelling story uh, in the industry because you're right. Like, you know, you could say that they're failing and they're a disaster or you could, you know, cup half full, like they did build a network and they are offering services and, it re- it really depends on how you look at them, and I think again I'm I'm looking at it from the angle of a story, and it's a great story. It is an underdog story. Like if di- if if Dish is one thing, they are an underdog, <laughs> and they, so
0: you're saying that the final chapter hasn't been written. That's the what final I'm. Hearing. Chapter
4: has not been written, but boy, they are teetering more closer and closer to bankruptcy than uh, I think that they would like. They'd like to have a they'd like to show some wins, and every quarter you kind of hope for them because they're the underdog and come on, guys, you can put, you know pull out some, get at some more customers, find some growth. And every quarter, it's just another disaster. So, I mean, we'll see if they are successful. But I mean, so, so, so the takeaway is that uh, they did build a network. That network does work. They have a lot of really dedicated, smart people working on this. Um, and they built a, a, a 5G network that covers... 240 million people for $6 billion total, which is about the amount of money that Verizon spends per quarter almost. So if you look at it from that perspective, like pretty impressive, like they, they cover a lot of people uh, and they are, you know, for spending fra- a fraction of what the big guys are spending. The problem is that they have hardly anyone using that network. It's very unclear whether that network actually works well Um, and they're, they were losing just thousands of customers every month. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not looking great, but, uh, it's, it is a very interesting story.
0: Doug, is there anything you want to add on to that? No,
2: it's the biggest head scratcher I've ever seen because now they made some early bad technology choices. And so it took them longer to roll out there because they, you know, they went with open RAN and it wasn't ready, but, but yeah, they have a I've only talked to two or three actual customers and they said that it's not good. So, you know, so the few little people I've talked to had problems with it and that's never good. Um, there's no reason that, you know, they're not spending any money on ads. Have you ever seen a a dish ad? I've not.
4: Yeah. I mean, they, they really, it's, it's pretty crazy, but they, they kind of just got started. Honestly, they, just when the new iPhone came out, they, have a a specific plan for that iphone it's a pretty good deal honestly you get a, a brand new iphone for no trade you don't have to trade in your phone your current phone to get that new iphone you just get a free iphone and then start paying your monthly bill so it's it's actually quite aggressive if you look at it from that perspective and that just started about you know two months ago um but yeah they so so really i you know from my viewpoint they've been building for the past two to three years and only in the past couple months have we actually seen them offer something that is a real competitive offer that is worth somebody considering it. Um, so exposing my but
2: aren't they going for like 40 a month instead of 60? I haven't seen their logo. So
4: before. their offer is $60 a month, but you get a, a, a phone uh, without man. a trade-in and right away. So but you, it's an iPhone. Yuck. It's a brand new <laughs> iPhone. And then you start selling $60 <laughs>
0: I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm curious. If my exposing my ignorance. Oh. So I'm on Ting, Ting Wireless. That was bought by Dish, right? Does that mean I'm on the Dish network or not? No, so <laughs> yeah, that's that's separate.
4: No, they, you're on somebody else's network. They're 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 okay. starting to load people onto their network. They 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 use AT and T and T Mobile networks.
1: And, okay. and Mike, you don't know this about Chris, and it doesn't shock any of us, but he's a green texter, so um, that means uh, he's an Android guy. So he wouldn't even get the free iPhone if he went over to the Dish uh, Network. It's, wow. it's Kim, he a has, sad he, day.
0: No, no, he has his Windows phone. So, I have the Google phone and I love it. The, I have the Pixel 7. I will show you some of my photos I took uh playing pool in a, a lovely lit environment. Uh, we are not week. do a group chat with Mr. Mitchell because he's a green texture.
4: I'd love to see your pictures, but I can't I don't think, I don't think it'll send it to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the uh the last question I had was uh where are we going next? What's uh what's what's actually on the horizon?
4: Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing that's outstanding. I, you know, it's it's sort of the same old, same old, uh, maybe a dish bankruptcy, maybe a dish sale to Comcast. We'll see. Um, uh, so uh, you'll see, um, I think fixed wireless will continue to do well through 2024, and then it'll start to peter off once the network capacity gets full. Um, and then I think what is it? There's a couple of things that I think that are interesting. Um, but not material in any way. So there was a thing that they announced uh, just about a month ago. It's like a, it's a little pin that you wear on. It's like, it looks like the Star Trek communicator. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, called Pendant,
0: like, right? And it's from yeah. some, some of the Apple folks, I think.
4: It's really kind of neat because it's got a camera that looks out and then it has AI that you talk to. And then it has, you hold your hand in front of it and it broadcasts the, the screen onto the palm of your hand. So that you can see it that way. So it's not a phone at all, but it does a lot of phone stuff. And anyway, it's just like, I've never seen anything like it. Really cool. Works on the T-Mobile network. Definitely a 5G application. Like it's that kind of stuff that I think is like, I don't know the demand for it, but you know, when the iPhone first came out, you know, almost 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I... I wasn't interested in that. I didn't think that that was very cool. And, you know, here we are 20, 15 years later and I'm completely wrong. So, you know, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm interested in that. And I think that there'll be additional devices like that. You know, I don't know if you've been in a Tesla lately, but man, it it does all kinds of stuff. You watch movies and it's, you know, a lot of that stuff is connected. So I think, I think it's going to be little, little bits here and there, and then maybe we'll get the the glasses that are connected to 5G that are, you know, totally, um, augmented reality type stuff, but nothing in the near term.
0: Travis, how is your range anxiety lately? Are you still, uh, are you tesling or, or not anymore?
3: Well, I bought a Hummer EV, the new GMC big truck. And so I'm back on battery now drive, driving around the Tesla's parked and now I'm driving a GM attempt at an EV. Let's just right. say, tesla's got it figured out let's just put it that way so
0: i've driven that hummer in uh, forza horizon five and it uh, had good acceleration Yeah.
3: <laughs> well you know, you
0: kind of know
3: i, I asked the question that everyone wants to know since we have mike here today how do you feel about 13g
0: we're worried about <laughs> yeah yeah
3: yeah. yeah.
0: It's
4: uh it's going to blow your socks off.
3: Yeah, see I knew it. I knew it. I totally knew It'll wow. it, it, will,
4: it will wash the dishes, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: I, I mean they talk about they talk about 6G and uh you know it's just it's it's vaporware. No one knows what it's going to do. The one thing that I think is cool though is that uh that one of the things they're talking about is it's going to sense. It's going to it's going to have physical sensing. So it will know where you are in a room. It will know all the objects in the room. It'll be able to create that room in a 3D environment. Like I don't know. The sensing part is very interesting and I don't know what they're gonna do about it, but uh it it's uh, that's kind of a new thing that you know.
2: Well that and, allows your cellular company to really smile on you. That's oh yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. It'll know
2: yeah. <laughs> It'll know exactly what you do. Uh, oh, exactly. I, I do you wanna to be careful <laughs> which hand you use to do it.
3: <laughs> I do want to spread yeah. some good news about five G though. Now, if if any of you out there that are building a network, y- you will not get just harassed by your senior lenders and your banks about is 5G going to take over the world anymore? So mm-hmm. at least we're through that era now. You know, they, they that that's kind of done. Yeah, so it's a small victory. We're, lo- we're
2: losing the 6G war to the Chinese. I read that the other day. So, yeah, someone they were serious about it, like.
3: I, I didn't even oh, know. Doug, there was a, I didn't even know there was a war going on in 6G. Now, okay, oh, another um, there is. Doug,
1: you're not supposed to believe everything you read on the internet. I'm just. Uh, oh, I'm just giving saying, You that
2: piece of. It. I didn't believe that. No. They believed that. It. It's like, are you kidding me?
1: And I need to know when 13G comes out. To can it like change the color of my glasses depending on what I'm wearing? You
2: yeah. can change the color of your
3: eyes. Everything it can do. Oh, yeah, oh, okay.
2: yeah. I'll I'm just uh, in... I'll
0: recommend uh, Altered Carbon uh, for people who haven't seen that. Uh, the book is wonderful. Uh, okay. The series on Netflix is terrific. Uh, but yeah. uh, I think that is the 13G. I don't think that's 6G.
3: Okay. No. Yeah, I um, uh, you know, th- just commenting on on these networks, which is interesting. Mike, what I've seen here, at least in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis is, um, you know, the, the, the 5G kind of fixed wireless networks are okay for a certain segment of, of the population, as long as there's a decent fiber provider, decent cable provider in the town. You know, where, where, where we've seen issues is these cell towers get so oversaturated so quickly that if it's all you have, yeah, if you're the first person on, it's amazing. But by the 10th person, I don't know if you're watching much Netflix at night anymore, everyone. So it's. Yeah,
4: uh... Yeah, actually, a big part of that, I think, is that uh, if you have an older phone, the older phone won't have the new spectrum bands Mm -hmm. that they're deploying and the new spectrum bands is where all the capacity is, right? They're, they're They're unused or most lightly used spectrum bands. And so, if you have an older phone, you're you're competing with everybody else. And so, it's it's good to get a new phone that does all the new spectrum bands that may not be overloaded.
3: Do you have uh, a sense of how many megahertz each of these providers has out there in production?
4: Uh, I do. Um, I mean, I don't track it directly, but I the the best chart uh, that I've seen is from the analysts at um, Raymond James, and they said that under 6 gigahertz, T-Mobile has 350 megahertz and AT&T Verizon has a, have about 300 megahertz and DISH is uh, somewhere around 200, 150 megahertz under 6 gigahertz.
3: So, Doug, you've run a wireless company before. You can just simply do the math and you can determine how much bandwidth that is.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. It's not, it's
3: not a lot.
0: But it's I, not I think that's it's where... Not,
2: it's not a lot when you look at, in an urban area.
0: Yeah, yeah, correct. But that's where... Yeah. The small cells really matter. I gotta think. I mean, there's a world in which um, if we ignore reality, this is a weird way to start into. That would be the show, isn't it? (laughs) What I'm saying is, is that like you, if you have 200 megahertz, you could actually kick the butt of someone with 300 if you have a ton more local towers. Yes. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, you, and you, I have
1: this serious question on this, guys. You're you're like interrupting my very serious question. Oh, I have here you. it
0: comes. 13. So,
1: okay, <laughs> you ready? You ready for this? So, is this where the chill part came into Netflix and chill when you couldn't oh. get onto the Netflix with your connection? Exactly.
3: Yeah.
1: I <laughs> just was
0: wondering. Interesting right. question. So, if you're actively ask, dating,
3: yeah, get 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 five G. You could yeah, well, that's,
0: yeah, that's you great. Go, hey, while it's I'm buffering, I, yeah, I, yeah. Just, I, yeah.
1: I, I just had a question. Thank you for right. answering it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I am. I mean, related to all of that, I do want to ask you, Mike. Um, is there a future with uh, the spectrum that's available and and likely to be forecast to be available, where um, the mobile, uh, I'm sorry, the, the fixed wireless on the mobile networks could actually serve a majority of people in uh, in the city. Um, my sense is there is no world that that's possible. It's kind of like Travis says about Comcast. Every time he takes a customer off the Comcast node in the neighborhood, Comcast service gets better. The mobile fixed wireless is only going to work as well as most people are not using it, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, that's a good It's a good
4: way to look at it is it's, it's best if unused. Um, yeah, I think if everyone's Netflix and chilling on, uh, fixed wireless, uh, yeah, it's not, not going to be great, but yeah, yeah. Overall, the population
1: goes up though. The population (laughs) goes up, so.
4: So more (laughs) population, yeah. But yeah, the overall, overall wireless capacity is, you know, a a fraction of overall wired capacity. Um, but that's, there's things that you can do. Uh, on wireless to increase capacity. Obviously, you can add more spectrum. That that's what they like to do. But you can also split cells, like you said. The small cells help, um, and then you can also use uh, additional unlicensed spectrum. So there, I think that there is a a potential for you know if they really want to double down on fixed wireless, they can. Um, there is a, a potential for them to use the six gigahertz band as a capacity band.
3: The, the which 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 band was that?
4: The Unlicensed. go. <laughs> when,
3: when did that happen, Mike?
4: The six gigahertz.
3: Yeah. Was that um. there, any administration that that came out in? <laughs>
4: See, this is a loaded question.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I am just
3: curious if that's a new available thing, and that's like this a thousand awesome. megahertz, isn't it? It's like
0: it? a thousand megahertz. It's pretty
3: ingenious whoever did that.
0: <laughs> the part of me that loves this is that, like, it's just that Travis imagines that I think nothing good happened during the uh, Pi administration. But I, I, I've said before, like, and, and though Pi did it in ways that really. Uh, I think we're harmful in some ways to tribes. Uh, The tribal priority window at 2.5 gigahertz is huge for tribes. And uh, others were not willing to do that. So I will give Commissioner uh, Chairman Pai uh, his due for getting some decisions very right.
3: The most yes. significant FCC decision in our lifetime.
0: Not, mm-hmm. not even true. Carter phone, man. You, well, were you alive for Carter phone? Maybe not, Travis. How old? Was that in the
3: Woodrow were? Wilson
0: administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if we go with Doug's lifetime, it's a much wider <laughs> <Yeah. respectable> selection. <laughs> Mike, if you ever yeah, argue, I with do. Chris? I do
2: want to let you know
0: that I missed the Telecom Act of thirty-four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oh all this, yes! All right, so Mike, if you want to stick around, we've got ten minutes left, and we're going to talk briefly about whether or not um, it is better to have internet access or not. Um, right. But please, uh, if you want to take off, again. also, you yeah. should yeah. feel free.
4: <laughs> all right? Yeah, I, I am, unfortunately I do have to go, but thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, uh, Mike. Thank you. It was yeah, awesome. Thanks, Mike. It was awesome. Really, that was wonderful. It. Yeah, yeah. Take care. Thanks
0: so much. See yeah. So uh, I saw something that just uh, it happened at a time in which uh, I was very vulnerable to it because I've just uh, you know, uh, you're scrolling through Instagram as you're waiting three hours for a flight and um, and uh, one of the comics that it popped up for me on the reels. Uh, was talking about how uh, Gen Z and uh, millennials are going back and forth about who has it worse. And it's so hard. And they're inheriting a despoiled planet where nothing works and this and that. And and I was just super, super angry. Uh, and then I saw an article in The Atlantic about how it's really great to not have the internet in a house. And uh, I was just livid. And so I just wanted to share for a minute that like <clears> – <throat> Um, Everyone who thinks that we are living in a spoiled wasteland or about to go into it should uh, read uh, a biography of someone who was born in the 1800s and uh, get a sense of what life was like then. Um, And I will unequivocally say that it is better to have Internet access in your home. And then as a privilege, you can turn it off if you want to. Uh, But uh, this is ridiculous. Uh, Anyone else want to want to get off my lawn? You have to think this chris these people didn't know
1: the world before the internet so they didn't know what didn't exist so like for me i work in this industry but i'm a little bit of a hippie and i only have one tv one computer i don't have a lot of gadgets in my house i have a lot of um other things connected like smart sit, like smart home stuff but they they don't understand that just because you can have minimal devices doesn't mean you want no devices like i said before the show who the heck wants to start breaking out their encyclopedias to find out what something means? And uh, and how often do you update, did your parents update your encyclopedia set? I think um, mine was 10 plus years old when we had it and half the crap you couldn't even find in there or where to look for it. So there's some benefits. I think the younger generation just doesn't even understand what they don't understand.
2: Well, and they're missing the big picture because every business you buy from, every government you work with, they're all massively using the internet, and, and things wouldn't show up in your grocery store, and there wouldn't be things for you to buy outside your home. Businesses have gone purely online. I mean, the, every, it's amazing. For inventory
0: management. For and things every, like
2: everything. For timekeeping, for accounting, you name it. They do everything online nowadays, and it's like... And do they have a job outside the house? Because the company has certainly gone online, unless they have a, unless they are a hiking guide. So, um, and even that's online to find clients. So, you know, it, it is a privilege to be able to turn it off at your home. And, and you know, I don't even know if I could do that anymore. But it would be an interesting day. <laughs> I so we've
0: gone through situations where I haven't had it, and Watch I just I was in a place about it. I've traveled I mean, places. This week it, I was yeah. struggling, and it was very slow, and it was all, a number of things. Were, oh, I'll just quit. I'll just quit. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I felt like uh, my hand was gone. Travis, I
3: can't even believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> so, are you saying no internet? Yes. Yeah. Well, we grew up. I mean, we grew up with no internet, and we didn't know what we didn't know, but. I'm gonna tell all you young kids out there it's way better now. Yeah. I don't think a lot of these kids have seen a flashing 12 on their VCR and you know oh. you know
1: <laughs> what the remote I was yeah. the remote control back in the day. This is a, a different kind of yeah. uh different or, yeah, or and I, bra- I mean, or
3: watching commercials. Remember when you had to like, oh it's seven o'clock, my show's on. Was, <laughs> just-
0: but even beyond that, I mean, so like that's the way it touches us directly. But if we go down the thread that Doug was pulling, like you look at the medical innovations that have come because right. of clinics and researchers all being able to share information. And now with AI, uh, and I granted, like we could spend a whole show talking about fears we have about how this could be used in ways that are profoundly antisocial and destructive, but... As of right now, almost every researcher in every field can talk in real time with any other colleague around the world uh, in almost any language. Uh, And if that's not true this month, it will be true in six months. (laughs) And uh, it's it's truly remarkable. And I think some of the progress that will come about it is wonderful. Um, But for me, one of the moments just came and I just this is just so frustrating. I hear people talk about how hard they have it. Um, you know, Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris, <laughs> Chuck Norris. Um, different Norris, George Norris, uh, populist in a populist in a great way, uh, who um, helped make uh, a number of the policies that allowed us to electrify the entire country, among other things. Um, his uh he he lost multiple children early on in their lives uh he lost his wife who was pregnant uh when their carriage went on too fast of a bumpy ride uh you know in the in the early 1900s i think it was and they had to move on i think he spent like three weeks near death because of a dental extraction that was like not working out well and i just like i just i have no patience for people who are gonna be all like things aren't perfect
1: okay first of all um that so let's end the show on a positive note. Thanks, Chris, with like the death and um, stories. Um, second of all, um, are we going to all start talking about how we walk to school for five miles uphill both ways? I'm That's deliberately true. picking a
0: time before any of us were born. And I mean, like it gets worse if you go back further.
3: We are officially those people. These darn kids and their rock and roll music and all their fancy gadgets and their TikTok. Yeah, they don't know how good they okay. have it. But-
2: my first year of college is the year that calculators came out. Yeah. So, yes. I mean,
0: the little. Yeah. And,
3: of- and I remember the math teacher saying, you can't rely on a calculator. You'll never have access to one, right?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to to note, and and, uh, this sets the stage, I think, for expectations, our next show could very well be about what we think is going to happen in 2024. But I just happened to see this summary from the uh, the invaluable Keller Heckman daily um, or near let's call it thrice weekly broadband list uh, Mm -hmm. wrapping up stories. uh, And I'm just going to read directly from the quote. Uh, California's federal funding account received 484 applications requesting $4.6 billion. That is more than double the $2 billion that was budgeted for the program. If you go to Wisconsin, 124 applications requesting $221 million from the state's broadband infrastructure grant program. That has $42 million available. So $42 million is available from the capital projects fund, and it got five times the number of requests. And so As we are talking about our frustrations and the challenges of this, I think I would just put a stake in the ground that we are better off um, that we have these programs available. And I think that in nearly every state, and I might even say every state, we will see more money applied for than is available from uh, these bead programs. And so as Travis says, he doesn't know who's going to go for this money. Someone's going for the money. People are going for it and it's resulting in real investment in rural areas. It might not be perfect as if we were the four people who are the kings of the land and the the kings and queen of the land. But uh, it's uh, We're better off than we were when government was talking about maybe spending money on infrastructure and never actually doing it. So uh, any thoughts on that? We like your speeches. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
3: I I would love to see the list. Yeah, because I'd love for Doug to walk the, you know, walk through the economics of it. Because, you know, I'm hearing it's just ridiculous how, you know, this isn't a dollar-for-dollar dollar grant, you know. This I don't
2: a- think you're going to be able to make money. People are going for the state grants because they don't want to fight the BEAD rules. So they're all flocking into those state grants.
0: Stuff. I was curious. So, so these grants that I just listed off are f- other funds that were available through the oh, federal oh, government oh, prior sorry, to this BEAD program. Okay. Now, they yeah. these do have substantial reporting requirements and things like that. Well, they California are not is. as onerous. California
2: sorry? does. Most of them are not as bad. California is. But, yes
0: okay so well, california is also giving you 100 percent of the money and so yes yes well, that's that's so we're clear, Chris,
3: what you just said was not bead they
0: that were, is not yet yeah. bead bead is oh, not yet available okay.
3: okay got it got it
0: this just this just made me think about you know a prediction and so travis would you be so bold as to su- suggest there will be multiple states in which the state does not get in which there will be more money available mm-hmm. than there are requests for money available do you think that will happen with bead yes
3: no, no, I think I think the incumbents will, will will soak up all the dollars. Okay. In each of the states. It's just my I think
2: opinion. I th- I think there'll be a half dozen where they get everybody, sir. That's about you know, there's there's some that got a pretty good amount of beat, but most will not make
0: it. But know? Doug, would you say that, or Kim? I'm curious, would you say that you would think that there will be one or more states in which there is there are areas that no one goes after funds for and the state has money under bead for rural areas, and nobody pursues that money. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think there's absolutely. gonna be areas like that, because there's only little pockets that would qualify. So if there's only a little pocket of like 10 homes or whatnot, and there's nobody there, and there's not enough, like money or whatnot, or resources, or do they have anybody to maintain the network down there? I absolutely think there's gonna be areas that nobody goes after.
2: Hey, the state of Georgia bead rules is you have to file for a whole county. They may have no one apply for bead there, including Comcast and AT&T. How much did go Georgia up, get?
0: Uh,
2: about, about a billion. They all get about a billion. Yeah, so
0: which is the, the more blue they court court were court. the more they got the more purple sorry i ruined that joke um the uh it did seem like states that were more up for grabs in the elections uh got more money than was forecast So hold ahead, on. Travis.
3: Did, did rhode island get virtually the same amount of money as like everybody no. gets 100 million okay. rhode
0: island got like 100 million and change i think new jersey similar
3: okay
1: I think, I don't remember what it was, but it's like Missouri got like 1.6 billion, but like Kansas right next to it, what got like 400 or 500 million or something like w- remarkably less for the land size. And Utah got 300 plus million. It's a very just interesting how they split the money up. Utah
2: and, only got 300 million because you built all this stuff. No. Well, but I think, I mean, we like, know, we, we know also, we're kind of a big deal, Doug. I mean, if
0: you look at the maps. West of the Missouri, so west of the Mississippi and certainly west of the Missouri, we see fewer people. And so I suspect, and I'd have to look at this to be sure, I suspect that Missouri has a significantly higher number of people who need service than are in Kansas. They do. do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I am in Maine uh, next week. Uh, Ruman just asked about it. Um and um, oh, he says he won't be able to make it. Uh, but um, I'm going up there on Wednesday for an event on Thursday next week in Bangor. So, for our main folks or anyone in New England, it uh, will be wonderful uh, to see any of you there. Uh, we're going to be doing a broadband for beginners type workshop. Uh, so, um, aside from that, I think we're about wrapped up for the day. Yeah, hold on. Do we,
3: on? Did we want to answer our picture we got or not? Wait,
0: we uh, I was going to do that for the next we have time. a show before Christmas? Um, yes I will I, I'm gonna work with you all on getting a show before Christmas um I am in two weeks I am at the stag bowl I'm uh, taking photos of the division three national football championship so I'll to on try and yeah I'm using <laughs> oh my, my phone <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna only share it with non-iphone people <laughs>
3: The other one, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know if the workshop will be recorded in Maine, uh, but uh, we will be finding a date to do a show. We'll probably talk a little bit about what has gone on and uh, what we forecast for the next year. Uh, Ride, you want to pop this up? Let's talk about it quick. If, if Travis, did you look into it? So yeah, yeah. yeah. I just okay. Let's respect that and get it. It's pretty quick. So cool.
3: this was somebody asking that they had a, a thousand feet of this fiber cable. Um, so I looked it up. It's a twelve strand armored fiber cable. So a thousand feet of that, if you were buying it retails, probably fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, wholesale, it's probably a hundred bucks if you could find someone to buy it. The problem with twelve strand, at least I don't know about you, Kim, but in most networks I've seen, you wouldn't even deploy it. It's too too low of mm-hmm. a an count anymore.
0: So. Uh, if, if Rai, if you want to follow up with that person, if they are still looking for it, uh, we're about to build a, a loop probably and we were looking to possibly do 72 count fiber. Um, uh, but on uh, a and town ranch for a tribal broadband boot camps, uh, we're planning on doing a little bit more in depth stuff and uh, we were looking for some uh, low cost bulk fiber. Uh, so Travis, you and I can talk about this, but I don't know if anyone else here uh, has tail ends or things like that, that they would like to, um, contribute to a tribal broadband bootcamp. We're going to be building a ring around 35 acres as part of a teaching tool for uh, different groups that come through.
3: There you go. Yeah. Real ends would work. Cool. All right. Well done. Nice show guys. Nice show.
0: Wonderful to uh, be with you all. Thank you so much. Kim, what's up? You just unmuted, I saw.
1: I was just going to say bye.
0: Just being ready. I was <laughs> so, being ready. Uh, I think probably uh, about... Wait, did, did, uh, your eyes, did,
2: did your eyes just change color? No. It,
0: was, it, was, it was a 13G. It was a 13 G. I I think we'll probably get back together in 18 or 19 days. And um, uh, I didn't... Travis, I don't know if you said anything else. Did I glitch any other time?
3: Uh, no, just once for me, but... Um, yeah.
0: Just I, I do that. want
3: to let you know Adam's family is repaired, so you are welcome to come back over and put the high score back on it again. So awesome! All right,
0: all right. Well, I'll be seeing you in about an hour. Hi, <laughs> 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 everyone. Uh, it's been uh, fun to, to chat with you. Uh, definitely a huge thanks to Mike Dano for uh joining us, and uh, we will be back in 18 or 19 days, probably. Take care.